Well, I'm excited to, to talk about uh, today's topic. So today is starting conversations and uh, the importance of, of uh, conversations and evangelism. Um, so let me pray for our time and then we'll jump in. Let's pray. God, thank you for uh, this morning. Thank you, thank you that your, your mercies are new each morning. Um, God, we pray that we, uh, as we gather here for um, equipping in this hour and all the different classes we have around the campus, as well as uh, for our main worship service, God, would you um, stir our affections for Jesus? May we love him more with relevance for this class. May our love for Jesus spill over into um, words and deeds and conversations that would help others know what it means to, to love Christ and to be born again. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we're, uh, we're starting off with, uh, uh, or we're, we're going to talk this morning about starting conversations. Um, and you'll notice there on your sheet, we have uh, basically kind of two main points that we'll be trying to cover. One is, is uh, before we get into some of the conversational stuff, uh, we're, we're talking about bringing down some barriers um, to uh, our evangelistic efforts and our evangelistic conversations. And then um, in point number two on the back, uh, sorry for the way that printed, you got to flip it like that. Um, and then that's uh, building bridges. And we'll have one, two, three, four, five, six points there on uh, building bridges conversationally. So uh, the first thing, uh, before, you know, before we discuss uh, engaging in conversations, I'm going to talk about some, some uh, obstacles uh, to those uh, conversations. Uh, so the first uh, point on your outline there is, are you willing? Are you willing? Um, Luke chapter 6, verse 46, why do you call me Lord uh, and do not do what I say? Um, and so uh, this is one of the most foundational questions we must honestly answer uh, before the Lord. Um, you know, will we do what Jesus commanded us to do? Um, are we willing to proclaim the gospel and to initiate conversations? And are we committed to the Great Commission uh, to publicly saying Jesus' name? So just uh, starting off with a, a question of, of are we willing? Um, when it comes to evangelism, it... it it doesn't primarily rest on, on how much we know, how much we don't know, whether we're introverted or extroverted, which we'll, we'll talk about again. Um, you know, God certainly created all of us differently and created some of us to, to be engaging conversationalists. And that's something that, that some people are, uh, feel like they're very good at. And other people are just like, man, that makes me I kind of freak out when I'm in that setting. And uh, it's really, really hard for me. Um, again, I, I, those things factor in, uh, but it ultimately doesn't uh it doesn't uh matter uh we are all tasked with christ we're all tasked with if we have been reconciled uh second corinthians says that we have been given a ministry of reconciliation uh so that's probably a text that the evangelism class has, has looked at at some point if not we will i'm sure uh but we are um it's it's not that's not a uh you know, if, if, okay, you've been reconciled to God, and so if you have the gift of, rec of reconciling others, then you engage in that. Uh, no, it's, a, it's, it's part of who we are. We are uh, blessed to be a blessing. We are saved to uh, open our mouths and proclaim uh, the message of salvation to others. Um, and so we are to be uh, people willing to engage in, uh, in evangelistic conversation. So again, it doesn't, doesn't matter if we have a, a, a lots of non-Christian friends or if we don't have any. The most fundamental question we all have to honestly wrestle with uh, before the Lord is whether we're willing to be obedient to God and engage lost people with the gospel 
Uh, and again, that's why those, those words in Luke 6.46 are, are rather sobering words of, of him saying, why do you call me Lord and, and do not do what I say? So he's, he's patient with us, certainly, and uh, all of the different ways that we may uh, be disobedient or, or uh, slack in our, our obedience. But uh, Jesus does call us to, to deny ourselves, to take up our cross, and to, and to follow him. Um, so the first thing is, is, are we willing? And so I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not assuming the answer to that is no in here. So that's not a question to be like, ah, you people aren't willing. Uh, that's, uh, that's just a question for us to, to wrestle with. And, and my guess is you're in this class in and, and some measure because you're like, yeah, I, I want to. I want to learn more about evangelism. I want to be more engaging in my conversations. I want to uh, do that better. And so, um, so that's something for, for I'm, I'm hoping that all of us in this, in this room, uh, regardless of how easy or hard it is to engage in these conversations, uh, that you guys are saying, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm willing. I want to obey the Lord. Uh, number two is, are you distracted? Are you distracted? Uh, the, there's a reference there, uh, there in your text for, for Haggai um, chapter 1. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and go there. Turn with me to Haggai chapter 1. Haggai chapter 1. That's on page 791 of my Bible. Don't know if that helps you or not, but it's on 791. Um, Haggai chapter 1. Uh, you'll, you'll see there, if you're familiar with, uh, with the book of, of Haggai, the, the, uh, um, there's been a, a command for uh, the people to, to rebuild the temple, and yet they're uh, distracted from doing that um, and uh, have, have been, uh, uh, this is the, the exiles who have just returned back to Israel. Uh, they're at home in the land. God commissioned them to rebuild the temple, and they began to do it, but then they stopped doing it. So we'll pick it up in Haggai chapter 1, verse 1. Uh, it says, In the second year of Darius the king, in the sixth month, on the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Thus says the Lord of hosts, These people say, The time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. Then the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet, Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in paneled houses while this house lies in ruins? Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. And we'll pick it up. Uh, verse 7, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. Go up to the hills and bring wood and build the house that I may take pleasure in it and that I may be glorified, says the Lord. You looked for much and behold, it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why, declares the Lord of hosts, because my house lies in ruins while each of you busies himself with his own house. So we see there in, in, uh, in Haggai that they had been given a task to do um, and they started to do it and then said, hey, there's some, some other stuff we want to give attention to as well. What, what are some of the other things they turned their attention to? Building the houses. Yeah. <laughs> Building their own houses, yeah, yeah. Now, now, Isaac, are we talking like you know, general maintenance, right? I got a leaky faucet, got to fix that leaky faucet. Um, you know, the electric went out. I got to get that. Like, are we talking about just general maintenance on their houses, or or what was going on there? Fancy houses. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Fancy houses, right? So they were going up to. They were getting cedar, and they're you know lining their houses with cedar you know they're putting in a hot tub in the back they're uh they're getting they're they're really uh kind of uh um yeah fancifying it you know they're uh they're they're going above and beyond and so uh god you know 
God looks at them and says, listen, you're, you're saying you don't have time to give attention to my house, but you do have time to, um, to, to you know, kind of trick out your own places. And so he says, consider your ways. Uh, and that's a good question for us as well. Um, I don't know about you, but I, often my own evangelism, uh, it's, it's easy for me to kind of get into a place of like, man, I just don't have time or I haven't really had an opportunity lately or, or those kinds of things. And yet if I take a step back and consider my ways, like God said to the returned exiles there of um, looking and saying, okay, what, what have I had time for? <laughs> uh, you know, what, what are the, the, the things that I've been able to give my attention to? Um, and again, all kinds of responsibilities we have. We all wear a bunch of different hats and have a lot of stuff on our plate. And so uh, this isn't like, uh, you know, hey, guilt trip, if you're ever doing anything other than sharing the gospel with somebody, uh, that's not the point. But uh, it is if, if I, you know, step back and take a look at my life and I say, okay, over the last year or over the last six months, I don't know that I've had uh, an evangelistic conversation with uh, anybody in kind of my circles of influences. That's a, it's a, it's a good thing for me to, to step back and say, okay, consider my ways. Um, am I, am I distracted by anything? Am, am I building uh, the kingdom of God and, and interested in seeing the kingdom of God built or um, are things that I'm doing primarily dedicated to, to building my own uh, life while doing some, some God stuff on the side? Um, you know, for me personally, it, it, you know, and it takes stock of, of, you know, how much time am I spending on entertainment? How much time am I spending on social media? How much time am I spending on sports? How much time am I doing these other things? And again, it's easy for me to build my own house while the, look, word, uh, while the work of the Lord remains unattended. So are you distracted? Are you willing? Are you distracted? Two good questions to ask uh, as we get into this topic. Uh, a third one. So are you willing? Are you distracted? Uh, thirdly, are you salty? Are you salty? And I don't mean like salty, like you're mad at somebody and you got an attitude towards somebody. I'm talking about like a different kind. I'm talking about a biblical saltiness. Uh, so are you salty? Look at Matthew chapter 5. Matthew 5. Andrew Chalone, are you there already? Yep. Could you read uh, for us uh, verses 13 to 16? good things yeah so the 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 way that we uh love and serve and speak to others reflects a heart that's been changed by god's grace um and and as we do that that, that's going to be intriguing to people and so are we salty in the way that we uh live are we living in a way that that people see that we're different uh that there's something uh different about us even our hope uh um in the midst of of you know, over the last couple of years, I don't know what your life has looked like, but as plans have changed, as um, as fears and anxieties have been in front of, of all of your neighbors and coworkers and friends and things like that, uh, living in such a way so that people see that there's a hope in you and they say, you know, that verse where it says uh, uh, that uh, for somebody to ask for the reason for the hope that is in you, uh, again, if, if, if that hope is never there, if I'm always just joining the crowd with the sky is falling and everything's awful and, you know, 
politics are going to ruin everything that's going on and this pandemic's going to like if if i'm just always there and there's never a hopefulness um of of uh, a kingdom that is to come and of um the life eternal with christ and uh something that that can govern all of that again if we're living in a salty way where people see that and and seem like how i mean it should it there, it should almost be almost like inexplicable and kind of shocking and people just kind of scratching their heads and be like why how can you in the midst of all of this how can you have a hope uh how can you 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 have such optimism uh in times like this and uh so again there's a there's a saltiness that we can have uh when people see that your 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 perspective your worldview uh, is is different you have a hope somewhere else um yeah are you kind uh a hard worker hopeful versus somebody who's impatient or lazy at work or grumbling at work uh, are you talking about yourself? Are you asking about others? Um, all these kinds of things, I think, are... Uh, and, and, and then who helps you discern what the reality is in your life in all of those areas? If there's people around you that can uh, that, that have a green light to speak in and, and uh, hey, there's a little... Losing a little saltiness here. Uh, people that can come in and help us um, see where we are. Um, you know, maybe, maybe not being gentle, um, not being hopeful not being uh kind um losing that saltiness so let me say before we move on to the to the to the back of the sheet if, if any of those areas uh are, are are uh i don't know either convicting or discouraging to you um that's why we have a gospel that's why we have a good news of jesus that that uh that christ um he has uh saved us uh, imperfect though we are he's given us a task to accomplish that he, he has invited us into. He doesn't need us for that, but he's chosen to use us, knowing that we're imperfect, knowing that we are, uh, uh, are, are going to uh, falter at times, and yet he still loves us, and he's put us in a family with brothers and sisters around us um, to, to, to help us all do this well, to, to pray together, to confess sin uh, together, to repent, uh, and to try to make him known uh, together. And so there's there's certainly grace uh, in the midst of our, uh, even our moments where uh, we feel like we've been distracted lately or we feel like there's been, man, there's been a, 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 an unwillingness lately or a lack of saltiness lately. Uh, listen, I, gosh, I mean, I don't want to turn this into like pastoral confession hour, uh, but I can look at all three of those and see ways that over the last six months that I've failed uh, in all three of those. Um, I could look back to a, you know, a, a soccer game that I was at with my kids and, and uh, um, <laughs> this is going to turn into pastoral confession hour. Uh, it was just a soccer game where uh, the other team we were playing and the a girl, uh, this one girl on the other team just came and was like literally like throwing elbows and this is like fourth grade girls soccer like this is, <laughs> this is you know like throwing elbows and knocking people down and I was like I like come up out of my seat and I'm kind of getting on the ref for, you know, not calling the, the, the thing. I'm like, what do you, you know? And then I kind of look around realizing like, oh, there's other people here. And I, you know, I need to, and, but there's just, you know, so there's, there's times where I look and I'm like, Lord, please forgive me. Like I, you know, I'm, uh, I could be losing. And especially cause I had, had, you know, I'm having conversations with some of these other parents and uh, even some of the people that were on the other team, I, I knew some of the, the things and I, I just want to, man, I got to, to guard my speech in those those times and and uh, and and that and then there's been other times where I've I've left conversations uh, with non-Christian uh, uh, friends and just you know you you 
you know, you spend 30 minutes talking to somebody in your front yard or, uh, uh, you know, conversation with a guy at the gym or something like that. And then I just leave it and I'm like, oh, I see it now. There was a huge open door. <laughs> there was an open door for the guys when I just, I just missed it. Uh, I want to go back and like rewind that and be like, let me take another shot at that. Um, so anyway, I get it. Like I, I uh, you know, as I think through these things, um, and would the Lord give me a willingness and eyes to see those openings that He's given in conversations and relationships uh, to walk through those in a uh, kind of a, a, a gentleness and a kindness and a saltiness um, to to appeal to to folks around me. Anyway, um, can I jump in? You yeah. absolutely may jump in. I don't know if this is discussion or not. Um, the last one was really discussion. It was great. It was great. I see this as. What I'm hearing you saying is you have trouble with the fruits of the Spirit, which I have. Hmm. Kindness, goodness, gentleness, you know, the new normal girls hitting each other with an elbow. Hmm. It's just not normal. Yeah. So, um, and parents screaming out is not normal. It's not the fruit of the Spirit yeah. that people don't have. And I see this as A, B, and C, and so I appreciate you, you putting this together because, to me, the first step is I'm my willing. The second step is that I clean my house, then I'm not distracted, so when I'm willing, I'm ready. Mm-hmm. And my third is that I'm salty, that I'm ready with the fruits of the Spirit, that I taste that. And try not to beat yourself up that you didn't share the gospel with someone. Yeah, for sure. Because the Holy Spirit may be saying, not yet. If you weren't listening to the Holy Spirit and doing something, then that's when it's wrong. But we have sure. to be in tune with the Holy Spirit. Because there's plenty of times that happens to me, but the devil will beat you up, mm-hmm. us up, and me up for doing wrong, which happened yesterday. But he's not going to control my life to put me into depression or worry or anxiety. Sure. Yeah. So I see this as three steps, and I've gone through step one. I've had a willingness for years, and I'm a high extrovert, connector, talker. But my job is not to save the world; it's to spread the spread the God, you know, to show Christ's light in me instead of person's acceptance. And that I'm not distracted by my work, and especially here in D.C. with who am I, what job do I have, how mm. much do I make, where do I live, sure. you know, what condo, what church do I attend. But am I salty? I love that. And that's what I'm working on right now in this room, and I'd love to hear from other people where they are in the stages and where they are because of me helping others, but others to help me because I'm not kind sometimes. Mm. I have a great bantering and back and forth. And I've had to realize that. I don't have full fruits of the Spirit. So how can I share with others? Mm-hmm. If I don't have that, I have the Holy Spirit in me. If I let myself in my houses. So that's how I interpret this. And I just want to encourage everyone that Satan is on the attack because we were in this world right now. Mm-hmm. He does not want us to spread the gospel and share our light. He does not want us to do it. And it's hard. So um, I, I love that saltiness. Yeah. I love that. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. Anybody else have anything you wanted to either jump in on that or anything else? Mm. in more 
like discipleship relationships and things that yeah. I feel like I don't have time to pursue evangelistic relationships because those are also going to require time. And like I wrestle with like, do I do less of this so I can do more of this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or is it just maybe this is the season of my life and maybe another season I'll have more? I, I don't know. Like, yeah. Yeah. How yeah. That's good. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. And I think uh, a similar, similar concept is because so, so we are at a church that or we, we talk about meaningful membership, right? So, so our ch- the church is its members. Um, and so as we have meaningful membership and, and we, we, you know, we often talk here at Delray about, you know, we have a, we have a membership directory where, you know, I've, I cut mine small so it fits in my Bible, so it's a little tiny one. Uh, we have a membership directory, so we're encouraging people to, to pray for these folks and get time with these folks and, you know, and, and let's help one another along to heaven. So we have that, but then you're like, oh, yeah, I also have all of these <laughs> lost people around me. And, and so, yeah, I, I like to think of, um, so I, I, I see, uh, um, sorry, I want to drag Isaac's uh, evangelism as a... Um, as in a, I don't know if you guys have, uh, I haven't been in this class, so I don't know if it's been uh, couched this way, but um, evangelism is an event in the process of discipleship. And then I think these two concepts are kind of uh, like mutually reinforcing, right? So, so I don't. I, I think we. I think we err if we divorce evangelism and discipleship from each other. I, I think they're they're very very close to each other. Now, I, I get your question. This isn't yeah. this is your question, but it's going to relate. Um, so, as we have uh, evangelism, and this is what's helped me to, to the point of your question. Um, so, evangelism is is an event in the in the process of discipleship. But I think our, our discipleship and our evangelism, as they go together, are only going to mutually reinforce each other because um, our discipleship, right, I think as, as our discipleship, um, it, it starts to involve kind of life on life. So not just truth transference, but life transference. So First Thessalonians, where Paul and Silas and Timothy say that they, uh, they imparted not only the gospel, but also their lives um, to the, and then uh, uh, Mark... Uh, Maybe Mark chapter six, chapter three, chapter six, somewhere where uh, um, uh, Jesus appointed the twelve that they might be with him, and so in discipleship we have this kind of with me principle or this life transference principle, and I think where that really starts to take off and and, and uh, uh, connects to evangelism is where uh, with the folks that I'm uh, uh, I'm discipling that we're actually doing evangelistic stuff together, um, and so as we're as we're meeting at that. You know, I meet with guys every uh, every Friday, three uh, thirty at Junction uh, uh, Bakery, and we study the Bible together. But as we're doing that, with people, you know, at the table beside us, or with the person who's serving us, to to, to use the, those moments as engaging in conversation, because then I'm I'm able to you know do or, or some you know you have a sister coming over to your house, and uh, there's an opportunity to engage with your neighbor. And so what that's doing is that's that's actually. Like man, that's awesome discipleship because you're actually doing discipleship and and, sh- and kind of uh, you know 
modeling what evangelism looks like. Modeling both like, okay, this person just rejected, you know, I did make that step and they're like, no, 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 we're not having that. And then you and you, you and the, you know, the sister you're disciple get to go and talk about that and, and debrief that. Or, um, so I had a guy in college and we would, uh, who discipled me and we would, as a regular part of our discipleship, we would go around and I'd been a believer less than a year. And so I was terrified, uh, but we'd go around in the dorm and just like knock on doors and, uh, and, uh, and he would, <laughs> I think he just liked to mess with me. He would wait until we'd go to the cafeteria um, and, uh, he'd, and it would just be packed. And I think he would purposefully like get on the opposite side of the cafeteria and he'd be like, hey, Seville. And I'm like, oh, goodness. Oh, my goodness. And then he'd, he'd be like, don't you lead a Bible study on Wednesday nights? And, you know, and he's yelling. I'm like, would you please stop it? Uh, but we would just do that together and we'd go around. And, and I grew so much. So we would go and we'd share the gospel with people. And then we'd go find a bench to sit on. And he would ask, he'd be like, hey. You know, and, and this guy, he's 20 years older than me. And we'd go sit on a bench and be like, hey, what, what do you think I did well there? What do you think I could have said a little bit differently? Is there any place where you saw them just kind of glazing over and I didn't connect at all? So he was inviting me into that to where we could do that together. You know, and then I think the other thing in discipleship with evangelism is that um, I, I think, so discipleship, right? We, there's areas where we want to grow. We want to mature. We want to continue in our sanctification. Um, and I think we discover more and more what those things are as we're having these types of conversations, right? Nothing, nothing helps me see where I need to shore up my theology or my understanding of God's word more than having conversations with people. And they're asking me questions and I'm like, uh, I don't know, <laughs> you know, or man, I need to go dive into the word because they just asked me a question. I have no idea uh, how to answer that. And anyway, so, so I think there's kind of a, there's kind of a, like a con- interconnected kind of a thing that our, our evangelism is going to help us grow as disciples and our discipleship is only aided by kind of engaging in evangelism together. So that, those are some of the ways I think through it, but just practically, I think to your question is thinking through, yeah, how can I start to weave in um, evangelism into my discipleship relationships or at least the opportunity for it, right? So yeah, let's, let's do it where it's not just me and the person I'm meeting with like alone in a closed kind of thing where there's not going to be, and how can we, how can we go for a walk around the neighborhood and engage in conversations and things like that? Yeah, that's a great question. I think it's a common, it's a common struggle. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which is a good, like I think it's, there's a good thing there that, hey, I want to, I want to, to build relationships at church. Like that's a, that's a healthy, good thing. It's going to have some pressure points. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Awesome. All right, well, let's go into building bridges. Uh, the uh, back of your sheet. And Isaac, I'm going to make sure I didn't mess that up. We're good. I almost sat on it. We're good. Um, all right, building bridges. Um, so, uh, yeah, if we walk with Jesus, um, you know, we should find opportunities to, to, to talk about him. Um, uh, one of the most challenging parts of evangelism seems to be transitioning from kind of talking about everyday life to discussing eternal issues. And so much of, of what we're going to be sharing here is uh, just simply practical wisdom. Uh, not For all of these, not going to appeal to kind of an explicit teaching in Scripture, uh, but just some practical wisdom on conversations and, and having spiritual conversations and gospel conversations. Um, yeah, so I think in much of this, we need uh, I think Alice was talking about this earlier, just depending on uh, relying on the spirit. You know, it, there's not like, a, hey, this is what you do this and then you do this and then you do this all the time. Here's your roadmap for every single thing. No, there's going to be a lot of just uh, 
you know, just kind of awareness and, uh, you know, what is the Spirit giving in this? You know, uh, Acts 8, uh, you can think of Acts 8. Um, there's, uh, uh, there's, the, uh, there's Philip uh, and there's, uh, with the Ethiopian eunuch. You guys know this story? So God, the angel of the Lord uh, in Acts chapter 8 actually shows up to Philip. And the angel of the Lord says, hey, I want you to go down to this road. And then, and then he doesn't tell him why. He doesn't tell him what he's going to do. He just tells him, go, like, go down to this road. And the text says he goes and it's like a desert place. And you're like, why is the angel of the Lord sending Philip to this desert road? And then it says, and behold, there was an Ethiopian there. And he's like, oh. And then it says, it says uh, the spirit told him to go talk to the, to the Ethiopian. So again, it's not the angel of the Lord. It's the spirit. Um, what, what, why do you think the switch there in the text, other than that's the way it happened, <laughs> uh, but why do you think that so the, the angel of the Lord tells Philip to go down to this desert road and he goes there, behold, there's an Ethiopian, and then it says um, the spirit told him to go talk to him. Any, any, any thoughts there? Any observations on that switch from the spirit of the Lord to the spirit? Or the, the angel of the Lord then to the spirit? What would be different about that, do you think? Moses with fire. I think an angel was there with him. Yeah. In fact, I think there are angels if we open up our eyes to see that. And then as he got closer, the angel was probably not seen, so it was the spirit inside of him. Yeah. You know, and because he was filled with that. And it is a view because he baptizes him, right? Mm-hmm. Yep, just I mean, a second. Yeah, he does. Yep. Oh, sorry. Yeah, no, 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 you're good. No, no, you're good. But it's like, yep. I get chills right now. Uh-huh. Because wouldn't you just love to meet somebody they're like, you know, they're in. I have yep. never had that. Yep. Well, I've had it happen twice. Yep. But it's not like get baptized. Right, right. Like back in the day, you sure. didn't have to wait and schedule it. Yep. Like you just right. Yeah. Well, you see, I mean, I think God was preparing the Ethiopian because remember, what he, what was he doing? He was reading. He was reading. So, but first, what was he doing before that? Yep. He was coming from Jerusalem because he was there doing what? He was worshiping. So this guy, God was preparing this guy. He was already in Jerusalem worshiping. Uh, and somehow he had a scroll of Isaiah. Like that's, you know, like you don't just pick that up at the local Christian bookstore at, you know, at this time. Uh, and so he had a scroll of Isaiah. So the Lord was working something in him. And he was obviously a person of means, right? He was, a, he was in charge of Queen Candace's treasury. Um, and he had a, his own chariot. He's obviously in control. He commands the chariot driver when to go and when to stop. He has a copy of the scroll of Isaiah. So the Lord's doing, this guy's a man of, of man of means, uh, which, gosh, I don't even know. What we're, it's all about evangelism. I don't know if I'm talking about what I'm supposed to talk about. Uh, but we see there with, uh, with, with Philip is that he, he sees this person of means, and then is he like, ah, we're just two different class-wise. That guy's way up there. I, let me go talk to some lowly, you know, beggar on the side of the street. What's he doing? What's, do you remember what the text says? Acts 8? I'm quizzing you guys on just Bible <laughs> stuff right here. What does Philip do? The text says he runs. He runs to him. He runs. And, and, and again, so this is, so angel of the Lord. I, I agree. I think that was something visible, something tangible. The Lord appeared, uh, or, or God, had, the angel of the Lord appeared to Philip, said, go down to this desert road. He goes down there, and I think it's an internal thing. He goes down there, and then the spirit just moved in him somehow to say, hey, there's a dude in a chariot. Go talk to him. Then he goes over. Now who leads him? What does the text say? It doesn't say anything. Philip goes over there and says, what are you reading? Isn't that neat to see all the ways that God leads his people? Angel of the Lord, visible 
go down to the desert road. He goes there, internal kind of gut feeling, spirit working, go talk to that guy in the chariot. And then he goes over there and then God is just using our natural, you know, mind of Christ that is in us, like just normal kind of horse sense. <laughs> you know, you go over there and it's like, okay, there's a guy reading a thing. Here's a question to ask, what are you reading? Do you understand what you're reading? Right? And I think the Lord does the same thing with us. Like he instructs us, just like he instructed with the angel of the Lord, he instructs us uh, uh, through his word and through other supernatural means. He can instruct us. He moves in us through the spirit. And then as people who are redeemed of the Lord and have the spirit inside of us, uh, he just, we just have ideas sometimes because we're created in his image and his spirit is in us. It's amazing. if you re- So we're, we're preaching through Acts right now. Keep an eye open as we go through the book of Acts. Um, especially early on in the narrative, well, and then into Paul's missionary journeys, places where it will, the text will say something like, it seemed good to us to do this. Or it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to do this. I think we have this idea of Acts that it was all like flaming tongues of fire and everybody's just kind of floating around from place to place, which Philip does. God removes him, like says, okay, now you're going over to this other place. And Ethiopian's like, where'd Philip go? He's, he's gone. So God does that. But we'll see, also see in the narrative of Acts of just like, people are like, this is what seems right to do. And so we'll do that. And I think we, we want to see Acts as, as completely this kind of supernatural stuff, which it is, but then also the Lord just using common ways to lead us. Anyway, that's all free of charge. I don't know. Uh, this relates somehow. Um, so, uh, yep. That's what I was doing. Yep. That's it. Thank you. (laughs) I don't even know what that means, but (laughs) born in 1981. That's all I know. Um, Let's see. Oh, gosh. This thing's falling down, too. Um, All right. So, uh, number one is uh, this does relate. Number one, pray for wisdom. Pray for wisdom uh, to know how to transition to gospel talk. Uh, So, pray for for wisdom to know how to transition. So every evangelistic uh, encounter is different. You know, some some people you're you're going to see daily. Other people you may you may have one shot. You may have one conversation. You're on a flight sitting beside you somebody. Somebody you have an Uber driver. Um, you're 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 on a, a business trip for work. Like there there are different things where you might see somebody at one time. And so everything's different. Uh, but every encounter, however brief or however regular, is from the Lord. Uh, the Lord is sovereign, I think, and so He puts us in all those situations sovereignly uh, for for His purposes. Um, uh, Bill Bright, does that name anybody know the name Bill Bright? So founded Campus Crusade. <laughs> yeah, you know Bill Bright. Uh, founded uh, Campus Crusade for Christ, 1951 at UCLA. Um, I lo- like to hear the to hear Dr. Bright. He's he's gone to be with the Lord, but to hear him tell stories of evangelism is just is just I mean convicting and encouraging all at the same time. But I remember hearing him speak one time at a, a Campus Crusade uh, staff thing in, in Fort Collins, Colorado. And he was telling a story about, and this is back in the day when like everybody had landline phones. I don't know if you know, they had phone with a cord on it. You guys remember that, uh, some of you. Uh, and so he had landline phones, but you would get phone calls and uh, sometimes, and uh, somebody, you know, hey, is Johnny there? Like, there's no Johnny here. And they're like, oh, I have the wrong number, right? Because this thing would happen. Uh, and Dr. Bright would be like, no, 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 hold on, hold on. I don't think you have the wrong number. I think you called this number on purpose. Like, I don't think there are any accidents. I think you called me because God wanted you to call me. Can I tell you about Jesus? And so he would, he would do stuff like that all the time. He was like, there's never a wrong number dialed. Uh, and so, so if I can ever get a real person who's trying to chase down my automobile warranty thing, 
I'm going to do that. I always get these recorded. Like anybody else have pe a lot of people concerned about your automobile warranty? Oh yeah. oh yeah, they're very concerned. If you ever get a human calling you for the automobile warranty, you'd be like, listen, I have something more, uh, I have more, uh, a warranty more important than my car to talk to you about. Um, so use that. Uh, so yeah, so every encounter that we have is, is, a, is an opportunity for evangelism. Uh, John chapter 4, uh, you have this conversation with the, the, the woman at the well uh, where Jesus goes and you could just, I mean, that, that, that whole interaction is just dripping with, um, with uh, um, you know, God's providence, right? Uh, the, the being at the, that place at that time to have that conversation. Um, and so uh, you, you can just see a, a great example of that, right? So um, you know, other relationships provide more time with the person that you hope to share with. Um, uh, so you have, uh, and, and we're going to have future classes uh, in this evangelism class uh, that deal with family and friends and coworkers. We'll talk about that a little bit more. Um, but uh, just realize that, you know, that's one thing we should be committed to is praying for wisdom for how to transition the gospel talk and uh, praying for wisdom to see. It's, it's not that we lack opportunity to share the gospel. It's that I, I, don't, I don't know that we see it. And so, and, and then once we start to see it, it's something, it, it kind of, it snowballs and it starts to, it starts to build on itself and starts to, I think gospel conversations breed gospel conversations because when you're in that season of praying for that and having those lenses on and you see it, it's just like you start to see them everywhere. Uh, but then in the seasons when I'm not doing it and I'm kind of being lazy with it, it's like, ah, oh, I wish God would give me an opportunity to talk to somebody about Jesus. Uh, but, but once, you know, once you start doing it, it, it kind of snowballs and builds. So pray for wisdom, pray to see those things that God is putting all around us. All right, number two, or B, wisely sow seeds with your words. Wisely sow seeds with your words. Can somebody get uh, Colossians 4, verses 5 and 6? If you get there, just start reading it. good and they get it's very simple. so i mean where's paul getting this language from seasoned with salt yeah she went around jesus you got there you got there <laughs> yeah. that's it that's it that's it uh yeah you got some you get it from jesus uh and so uh be wise in the way that you act toward outsiders, making the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you know, may know how to answer everyone. Um, so th there, there's meant to be something different about the way that Christians talk. Um, the things that we, both the things that we say and the things that we don't say. Um, and so uh, sowing seeds uh, like this in our speech are, uh, you know, God uses these things. Anybody think of, I don't know, any examples that you've seen, and it, it, may, it may be things that you've seen in your life or other people you've seen do this really well or not so well? Yeah. So I have a, like, yes, I have something, <laughs> and then I, and I have a question about it. Too. Yeah. I've heard before the whole idea of speaking to everybody the way you would speak to a believer. Hmm. Because I don't know if you guys have experienced this, I definitely do, where I'll find myself, I would say something, normally to like believers and then I'm like talking to somebody who's not a believer and I course correct really quickly and something else comes out hmm. you know um, and I, I'm trying to think of an example but I was speaking to a neighbor one time 
where I, I don't know if I said, and this is a little bit of Christianese, so that's where I get into like, yeah. does this is this really helpful or effective? I don't know if I said like, praise the Lord, or hallelujah, or amen, or, or what's one of those things that you throw out, but it actually started a conversation yeah. then about how she told me, she's like, well, I'm not really religious, and so then that kind of opened up, there's like a little crack in the door, so I'm like, well, the Lord used it, even if it was kind of like sure. Christianese. Yeah. Um, but what are your thoughts? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I, so I, I do think, um, and I, I've had some of those. We had a uh, we had a um, it was like a cookout. Uh, this is when we lived in Memphis, and we did like a neighborhood cookout. We actually just we took uh, we made little menus and put it in all of our neighbors' mailboxes, and said, "Hey, on you know Friday, you know July twenty fifth or whatever it is, we're gonna have a cookout. Uh, could you fill this out and put it back in our mailbox?" Uh, and so it was like, "Do you want to attend?" Uh, and then we had a menu, uh, and so you could check off how many burgers, how many hot dogs. Uh, we had veggie burgers on there, like we, so we, people could check off. And then can you can you bring a side? And if so, right, what you're going to bring? And so we had neighbors. All these people came and dropped everything back off in our mailbox, and we just basically had a, a, a cookout uh, with everybody coming and, and bringing stuff. Um, and uh, and people, I mean, there there were people in their 70s and 80s who have been like, I've lived here my whole life. We've never done anything like this. Neighbors who have never met each other. Uh, and I mean, it just, it was, it was, but, um, but before that I, I stood up on a picnic table and I was like, Hey guys, thanks everybody for coming. I, I don't know kind of what you guys all believe about stuff and not getting into that right now, but I'm, I'm a Christian. I think God has everything we have is what God has given us. So, and my family, we like to pray before we eat just to thank God for giving us stuff. And so I just pray. And it was a quick, it was like, you know, God, thank you for this food. Amen. You know, it was like the, the thing. And I had a, a couple guys who were, I mean, literally pagans. Like they were worshiping under the tree, like worshiping the tree under the tree in our park. Like, uh, and the guy came up and he was like, that prayer was so awesome. You know, I was like, all right. You know, it's, but it just like, it opened, a, it opened an opportunity like that, you know. Um, I do think, so as a principle, um, so my tendency used to be, to hide the fact that I was a believer so that I could I almost like a, because I, I think what I, yeah, maybe what I thought was that if, if I lead with that, I'm going to turn people off and I'm going to lose the opportunity to have conversation with them later. That, that was kind of where I was thinking. Um, but I, I, I've changed a little bit on my thinking there that you don't want it to, I think when we do that, we can communicate accidentally that um, my, my faith and my Christianity is this add-on. It's not really who I am. It's this other thing. And so you can add it on too if you want to. You know, like you can just, you can have your regular life and then have a little church on Sunday if you want to. But I think what you're talking about is that that's, again, you don't want to, in, in one sense, you don't speak to non-believers like you speak to believers like you're like, you know, justification and sanctification, you know, like you're getting all this, uh, you know, theological jargon, but to, so that people know, oh, Krista is a believer. She says, praise the Lord when encouraging things happen. Uh, and that's so that then when you do talk about the gospel, it's not weird to where it's not like, oh, that's kind of who, that's what you're like. That's who you are. People be like, no, like you're bringing up, then when you do bring up the gospel, like they kind of, people are kind of expected because you've, they, they know that who you are and it's a part of who you are. Um, and then if you are sharing the gospel with them, you're, you're letting them know, like, yeah, that, that's what the Lord wants of you as well, to, to, to turn to him and, and give all of your life to him as well, yeah. Andrew, do you have a hand or no? No, I'm sorry. No, you don't. 
Okay, cool. Yep. Guys, guys, just real quick, um, appreciate that. And I think that gets back into the evangelism versus discipleship role. Yep. Slightly tweaking the words, but um, I was on an airplane, um, window seat next to a guy, ended up in a conversation, and I had to pray the entire time he's Muslim, coming from Iraq, and going to LA to visit his, uh, we were flying to Phoenix nonstop, so that's a long flight from here. And I had to pray the entire time that I was speaking to Hmm. him, so that I would sow the right words. And he was very, very interested in my why I followed Christ, why I thought this or that, yeah. and the other, and sit in that chair the entire time. Um, thank God pre-mass, yeah. and pre-all this stuff, yeah, because sure. I do believe we've been muzzled, and we've been, we can't, the evangelism opportunities are not as, as rampant as these, mm-hmm. so I think we yeah. have to be wise with that. Yeah. But it was amazing, and so for wisely sewing with my words, it's being praying while I'm speaking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, sure. That's good. And I think this idea of sowing with our sowing seeds with our words is both positive and negative. So, so there, I do think there's a um, <coughs> just coworkers, friends realizing you don't you don't say the same. You don't maybe you, your speech isn't uh, isn't you know maybe in certain contexts isn't filthy like everybody else in kind of the friend group. Uh, maybe it's not as complainy or grumbly as what other people at work or, or other people are doing all the time. Um, it's not, it's not people should notice, oh, she doesn't gossip about everybody else like everybody else in the group does. She doesn't complain about stuff like everybody else in the group does. Uh, she's not always tearing people down. She's, she's always actually, when everybody else in the room is complaining, is, is trying to find something encouraging and, and, and upbuilding to, to mention. I think people notice that. Uh, and so I think the things you, that we don't say is, is really important. And then things that we do say, and I think Chris even as I'm talking to people, like yeah, after after you know after uh, after church on Sunday, we went over to the park and like just dropping that to where people are like, oh, okay, so she's spiritual. She goes to church, or um, you know, yeah, we were having some friends over from our Bible study uh, the other night, or we went to go see a movie with, with people from our small group at church, like things like that. So I'm always as I'm meeting people at, at the gym. There's a couple people from Delray that go to the same gym that I go to, and I'll introduce them, be like, yeah, you know, make an introduction with somebody, be like, yeah, we go to the same church. So again, I'm not like, and Jesus, you know, and kind of jumping and trying to do, but it, like I am, I have those moments where people know, okay, this guy goes to church. And so then what people are going to do, one, I've, I've uh, so one guy at my gym, uh, I've been just building friendship, relationship, having conversations, uh, uh, just getting to know a, a couple guys over time. And then a few weeks ago, this guy came up to me, his name's Ben, you can pray for Ben. He came up and he was like, hey, where'd you say you were a pastor again? And I told him, he was like, ah, he's like, I think me and my fiance need to come and, and come to church there sometime. And I was like, great. And again, now that's not the goal. The goal isn't, hey, everybody come to Del Rey. The goal is I want to tell them about Jesus. But if, that's, if that opens the door for that to happen, man, that's going to be great. Um, but just because I was dropping some of those things, he knew I was a Christian and knew, um, you know, and, and kind of he, he actually stepped through that door. Um, and then, and then uh, you know, I think it starts, to reli- it starts to register with people too. Okay religious person i'm going to watch him you know even some even even with some bad you know people are like all right i'm going to watch this person to see how they respond to this and then you'd be surprised how many doors that can open up um as people keep an eye on you and uh and uh, and yeah so that's good all right let's keep going uh prayer for uh, number 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 c <laughs> prayerfully observe other people's lives 
preferably observe other people's lives. We won't read this, this whole text uh, just because we're, we're going to butt up against time here. But um, Acts 17, um, uh, anybody know kind of what's going on in Acts 17? Yep, it's Paul at the Areopagus. And so as he's walking around, he just starts to notice stuff, right? He's observing. And he, he would say, hey, I, I noticed that you have this, this thing to an unknown God over here. Can, can I talk to you more about that? What you worship in ignorance, let me try to give you, you know. And so Paul is just walking around observing things and then using his observations as springboards into gospel, uh, gospel conversation. So he's observant of his surroundings. Um, and then he says, this is Acts 17, 24, the God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by hands, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives, all, uh, gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And then he goes in and kind of, you know, uh, proclaims the gospel to them uh, through those observations. Let's do this. This will be fun. Uh, yeah, we should do this. So let's, let's, let's pretend. So we... Uh, walk out of this parking lot, make a left on Russell Road, and then walk down Russell, and then at some point make another left and walk down into Delray. What things could you observe that, would, that you could use as conversational uh, opportunities to, to, to uh, springboard into the gospel? What kinds of things could you see? We're talking about today, making a left out of our parking lot, looking around you. Yeah? Yep. What would that conversation? I, I so I made a list of these. That was one, that was one on my list. Yeah. What What would that conversation look like? No, it's good. Have you been reading Re- Rebecca McLaughlin? No, not yet, but you told me to. And I oh, okay. <laughs> yep. So uh, I think that's exactly... And, and probably in that conversation, I would just be like, huh, look at that sign. What do you think of that? Like, that could, that could be it. That could be pointing to the sign with your friend and saying, what do you make of that sign? Yeah. And what sense, in what sense is there truth there? And in what sense is it maybe incomplete? truth so Rebecca McLaughlin if you guys don't know is a uh, is an author uh, from England she uh, wrote the book confronting Christianity uh, 10 things every teen needs to know about Christianity or 10 questions every teen needs to ask uh, and then she just came out with a book called our secular creed and so she takes that street that yard sign as our secular creed that is what our society believes uh, women's rights are human rights uh, love is love um, I can't remember. There's like five things on this. On this, yeah, science is real. There's like five things on that street sign, and and she has a chapter for each one of those, and she actually says, well, actually, God is love, and so let's talk about what that means. So she said, now what she says is that Christians wrongly want to. She said that 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 yard sign is a sledgehammer that our uh, our culture is trying to smash into our heads. This is what you have to believe. If you're going to be a functioning person in this society, here's a sledgehammer. This is what you have to believe. And she said Christians want to take the sledgehammer to the sign and be like, no. you know. And she says, we can't do that 
Rather, let's take a magic marker to the sign. Let's go to the sign and just kind of, you know, make some editorial comments. Uh, maybe, but not quite. Let me fill that in for you. Uh, and that's what her book is. The secular, it's small, it's easy. You could read it in a weekend and it is really good. That sign would be great. All right, any others? Yeah. Well, this is along the same lines, but included on that sign or a lot of people have t-shirts wearing it or whatever, Black Lives Matter. Mm -hmm. uh, it is on the sign. It yep. would be hard, difficult to do this in a way that is appropriate, like not not um, offending people with, with things other than the gospel. But to say, um, I see that you really care about justice, and I really care about justice too because God does. Mm -hmm. And that's something that... That God, God is just; He's the one who defines yeah. why why every human being has has rights and should be treated fairly. Yeah. Uh, sort of Have you been reading McLaughlin? No. Yes, that's exactly what she says. So her magic marker, she says, "Black lives matter to God, um, and they should that, and therefore they sh they should matter to us." And so she 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 fill, that's how she fills out that sign and says that, uh, and then uses that to say, "This is this is you know." Um, in a secular worldview, you can't say black lives matter in a secular worldview. You can't say any lives matter more than any other, like at, at all. And in a secular worldview, if you don't have a, re like, if, if this is just a secular worldview, who says? Who says that we can't treat anybody however we want to treat them? Who says we can treat the unborn however we want to? Who says we can treat black lives however we want to? Like, you have no ground to stand on apart from a, a, a good, holy God who made people, all people, in his image. Uh, and sent Christ to die for them, like that. So that's exactly where she goes. Yep. Um, I'm having a huge issue with Halloween. I think it's maybe my age, but walking through, um, if you're saying what I have to do is walking down the street, and I see all the homes with graves and skeletons. Harvest is a different thing, but I mean, it is sometimes almost demonic. Mm -hmm. like we talked about the Acts 17, the idols. Yeah and the idols of holidays and death, glorifying death and horror. Yep. And how, I have no idea how to approach that. Yeah. Um, from a godly standpoint, because it just happened. Somebody got, you know, let's vamp up with vamp because we're going to go into a church where they're going to play classical music with a little horror thing. Just like, because you know, it's like sure, sure. and what yep. have you. It's music. Yep. How can you walk into a church vamped up, looking like that? Right. Um, so again, it's back to my speech and not being hard. Yeah. yeah. But so I th I think I so I had that on my list too. I said I had Halloween I had Halloween decorations, and it could be any season. It could be any. I think you get there from any any decorations that we have seasonally. But I think so. I, I would go down, well, and I think the question that I would want to ask is, hey, why do you think we're fascinated by the supernatural? Like that, and I don't know if you know this, but that's one thing that unites all cultures. Um, and I think that's why angels get such. Uh, I mean, there was a period, you know, back in the early '90s, where like every TV show had an angel in it, and like it was just like there were angels were in the outfield, and angels were. Yeah, I mean, it was just like angels everywhere, and uh, everything was about angels. But I think it's because there's a there's a universal appeal across all world religions. Yeah. All world religions have angels. Uh, and it's an easy way to talk about the supernatural without offending anybody. Because you talk about angels in everybody's school. You talk about Jesus, people are like, no, 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 like, can't, we can't do Jesus, you know. But you talk about angels and it's kind of safe in our entertainment. And so even just walking down the street and be like, man, we are fascinated 
by the supernatural. Why do you think that is? That's a great conversation starter. Also, um, to talk about death, because so yeah. Yeah. And I've talked to him about how um, for the Christian, death isn't scary like that. Yeah. And mm. so to talk to somebody That's good. about, like, I see, like, like, what do you think about death? And I see, like, just even based on your decorations, it seems really scary. Is it scary to you? Yeah. Talk about it's Man. actually not scary to me. It's, it's not like this graveyard with yeah. skeleton hands coming out of the yep. ground. It's really like this glorious thing that I'm looking forward to, which would be totally weird wow. to somebody who yeah. doesn't believe that way at all. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. One year we uh, we carved, we did pumpkins and put them out in front of our house, but we uh, had it say it was like it was a verse in John about uh, uh, walking in light and not in darkness. But we had that just carved in our pumpkins yeah, out front, you know, to where people could be like, "What is that? What is John for or whatever?" And you know, it'd be a way. But yeah, that's right. Yeah, those are good. Uh, these are great examples. But you guys see, like, I mean, try that this week with a Halloween decorations or with. Uh, you know, I think the, the, the secular creed street sign. Um, I even think we, we could walk around and be like, man, there's a bunch of churches on this street. Like Russell Road has an inordinate amount of churches on it if you go, you know, uh, side to side. And so, uh, you know, wh- why, why do you think we have so many churches? Like, what, yeah, I mean, that could be a good conversation starter. Um, uh, runners, there's people out running everywhere. Uh, and so just talking about, you know, hey, what do you, what do you like to do in your free time? Uh, and why, why do, why you know, I mean, you just ask questions about even hobbies and why people do what they what they what they do. Um, all right, let's keep going. Um, I mean, there is a uh, uh, okay. Sorry, I'm gonna. I keep wanting to talk about things. Um, so, I guess. What letter are we on right now? D. D. Uh, work on being a, a, let me give you fill in the blanks for all the type A folks in the room, just so you have them. All right, so D is going to be. Uh, um, uh, learn to ask purposeful questions. Um, actually, I had these backwards. Uh, and E is going to be work on being a conversationalist. And my notes actually one of those to be flipped. So I wanted to work on being a conversationalist to be uh, first, and then learn to ask purposeful questions. And then uh, the last one is uh, answer questions with questions. Um, but I think let me start with working on being a good conversationalist. As we're talking about starting spiritual conversations, I think we, we have kind of a we have a trajectory that we want to be on. Um, that uh, to to even talk about this topic, um, so uh, so be able to have good conversations, be able to have spiritual conversations, be able to have gospel conversations. Right, that's what we want to do. It's going to be hard to get here if you can't have a conversation with somebody. Uh, and so work on that. Be around people who are good conversationalists. And I just think there's some principles there uh, that will be helpful. So, so uh, be a good question. Ask. Have you ever been uh, with somebody who, like, you were with them for an hour and you realized, like, I didn't ask a question. Like, they were just on me the whole time. Like, bam, 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 question, question, question. And, like, it, it's, uh, it, it, like, you feel drawn out. You feel engaged. So be a good question asker. Don't just be waiting for their lips to stop moving so you can be like, oh, let me tell you what I like to do. You know, has anybody seen Brian Regan, the me monster? You guys could Google as a comedian, Brian Regan, me monster, where he's, he talks about somebody who's always like, me, 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 my, my, like, and their conversations are always about themselves. Like, don't be that person. You're not going to be able to get to gospel conversations if you're talking about yourself all the time. So ask good questions of people. Um, uh, uh, don't be a one-upper. They tell a story. You're like, oh, well, let me tell you about the time I took a trip to Prague. Uh, like, you know, like you're always just trying to one-up somebody with a story. Don't do that. Um, 
move on from kind of trite small talk, body language, eye contact. So, so to, to be a, somebody who can carry a conversation with somebody, I'm not telling all the introverts you have to be extroverts. It's not what we're saying. But uh, be able to engage with somebody and have conversations um, and have that trajectory in your mind that you want to go from, uh, from, from conversations to spiritual conversations to gospel conversations. Because really, uh, and this is, I'll come into this book, uh, Evangelism in a Skeptical World. How to Make Unbelievable News About Jesus More Believable. Phenomenal book. Uh, chapter two in here is worth the price of the book itself. Uh, where It's called Everyday Evangelism. And one of the things that Sam Chan covers in this book is how um, conversations are like onions. Uh, kind of layers to them. Uh, with the outside layer of it uh, being interests. So what would you do this weekend? Um, what books are you reading right now? What do you do for fun? So the outside layer of conversations are interests. The next layer inside uh, is values, right? That's where we talk about good or bad, better or worse, um, wise, unwise, you know? So where will you send your kids for school and why? Who will you vote for? What are your views on such and such an issue? So values, so you have interests, you go a little bit deeper, you have values. And then at the core, you have worldviews. That's where we talk about God and life and death and humanity and spirituality and the nature of reality. So will there be life after death? Um, are humans essentially good or evil? Is there a God? Is God loving and personal or unloving and impersonal? Right? So our conversations begin with interests, uh, and, and our, those interests are safe topics. So as you're building relationships with people, you, you'll start there. You'll start with just the interest outside the layer of that onion uh, to where you're just dealing with, you know, what do you like to do, all those kinds of things. And, and, and that allows the relationship to feel safe. That was a safe conversation. This is safe, and then uh, then you kind of get invited to go a little bit deeper. So from interests to values, um, to where you, you, you start to, to to get a little bit deeper, and then uh, one there's some comfort there. You go uh, to other things. So that's where. So why do you enjoy running so much? Why do you enjoy that book? What? Why do you do that on the weekends? Uh, so you can go deeper into the why uh, behind things and worldview, and not just the uh, the outside um, shell of conversations. Um, all right, it's 10.22, we're seven minutes over, uh, but I gave you your fill in the blanks, uh, so at least we're good there. Um, but uh, yeah, learning to ask purposeful questions, I think is, is, is huge for us and, and having spiritual conversations, um, asking people, even, even baiting some people. So I didn't grow up as a Christian, and so I love talking to people when they tell me things, you, uh, they're going to be like, man, if you would have told me 20 years, I'd be, you know, even, I tell somebody I'm a pastor, and they're like, oh, that's interesting. I'd be like, yeah, it's crazy. If you would have told me 20 years ago I was going to be a pastor, I would say you're out of your mind. And I just drop it. Just leave it. I just leave the little breadcrumb there. And people are going to say, what? What are you talking about? Like, what happened? Oh, you're asking me for my testimony? Sure, I'll tell you my testimony. You know, so like asking questions, leaving little gospel breadcrumbs to where you could, uh, you, you could kind of leave things out there to invite conversation to kind of go deeper in those things are all huge uh, ways to, to, um, yeah, to have spiritual gospel conversations. All right, I'll stop talking. Let me pray. God, thank you for uh, this group. Um, God, we do pray that you would give us, uh, well, you give the opportunities. I pray that you would open all of our eyes this week to see the opportunities that you put in front of us that we might talk to people about Jesus uh, and that people might repent and believe and trust in him. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.